Hello, everybody, and welcome again to Nerd in the Third Power, your one-stop shop for all things nerdy and awesome. I am your host, Master of Ceremonies, Dr. Gonzo. Kat is on her way back from her assignment in Azerbaijan, so hopefully she will uh, be in shortly, so we'll see how that goes. But in the meantime, uh, Brian, how are you doing? Did you just call Azerbaijan Azerbaijan? Either pronunciation is technically correct. Okay. Thank you, thank you, Skyblaze. I wanted to make sure because it's it, you know I, I I just say Azerbaijan because uh, bearing I just know in one, mind one of the guys bearing in the mind pre- bearing in mind that like Japanese it's a transliteration from an uh, from a language that doesn't use our alphabet so either is going to be slightly incorrect. Okay. Yeah. So take that, Brian. All right. Apparently, I I gotta take this. All right. So I took it. Now moving on. <laughs> that other voice you heard was our was. Our other co-pilot, Skyblaze. Skyblaze, how are you doing? I'm pretty good. Although, uh, if she's in Azerbaijan, that does explain the sonic booms that we heard overhead. That will be her heading this way. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. So we got a lot of show for you. Uh, if you guys, tonight, tonight we're going to be discussing the Ratchet and Clank film, a uh, movie that I've personally been looking uh, very much forward to, and, uh, spoiler alert, was very much disappointed in. So, uh, but we'll go into that at length later because uh, we have procedure to follow. So we're going to begin, as always, with Ask a Geek. And we've got a number of questions here. First question is to all of us, and it is from Sarah from, from the email. And she asks, if you could command any class of starship from Star Trek, what would it be? So uh, Skyblaze is the big Trekkie among us. Uh, we'll start with you on this one. Uh... That's a hard one. I do quite like the Akira class. They're quite pretty. And I do, I do like the Enterprise E as well. The, the Akira class. I don't think I'm familiar yeah. with that. Um, it's hard to describe. It's kind of pointy looking. It looks Two a bit, Google it looks images! Back, back, back. <laughs> it looks badass. Yeah, look up the Akira class. They look cool. Um, but yeah, the Enterprise E is so beautiful. From any angle, it looks really pretty. Probably the Enterprise E, actually. Uh. Oh yeah, the the the, uh, the okay, that's that's what okay. So the 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 NX01 flipped upside down. Sort of. But yeah, it looks it looks kind of uh, from certain angles, it looks very pointy. <laughs> okay, all right, okay. Uh, let's see. Me, I think I would like to command a uh, a Klingon bird of prey. Uh. They just look. They, they just. They just look so badass. And uh, you got a cloaking shield, which is awesome. I love that. Uh, Brian, what about you? Do you have an answer? I, I mean, I guess the only one that really came into my mind because I don't think I can handle like a big starship. So maybe something a little bit smaller. Like, like I guess the Defiant. Am I saying that right? You the Defiant they had in DS Nine. Yeah. Like a little bit smaller. You know, you could probably handle a little bit better in terms because I would be a terrible captain. Just, <laughs> <laughs> sir, they're uh, charging their weapons. Oh, should we talk to them? Raise the shields, dumbass! Oh, yeah, raise shields, raise shields, raise shields. <laughs> Cap- <laughs> Captain, there's an, ast- there's an asteroid on direct course for our vessel. Uh, turn left. <laughs> like, we're in space. There's a lot of lefts. <laughs> Go up. We're in a three-dimensional space. There's no concept of up here. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, second question that uh, she asks is, "What do we think of the Star Trek Continues web series on YouTube with uh, Vic Mignogna as Captain Kirk?" So uh, uh, again, Skyblaze, I'll start with you because you'll probably have nicer things to say than I will. Yeah, it's all right. I've seen better fan shows, uh, honestly, um, but it's okay. It kind of manages to capture some of the feel of the original series it's it's um the first couple of episodes are pretty ropey it does improve after that uh it's i don't really have a great deal to say about it because it's 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 okay it's it's nothing special it's all right it it simply is okay uh i i saw a couple episodes and i I don't know, I have kind of weird feelings about it, because on the one hand, I'm like, okay, they're trying to capture the, the look and feel of the original series, but on the other hand, you know, is that really a good thing that, that they've managed to pull that off? Because the original series, you know, hasn't really aged very well, presentation-wise. Um, I have a very hard time taking Vic Mignogna serious as, a, as Captain Kirk. 
Um, at least in the episodes I saw, it felt more like he was trying to do a William Shatner impression uh, than actually trying to to, to he, perform as Captain Kirk. So that was he kind does of a, he does chill he does chill weird, out uh, thing for me to see. He does chill out and get better later on. It does have to be said. It's still not perfect, but it's better. Well, I mean, no one could perfectly emulate William Shatner without actually being William Shatner, so, you know. <laughs> Brian, what about you? Have you have you seen this at all? I haven't seen it at all. So <laughs> I have no opinion. <laughs> okay, all right. And oh, hey, Kat's back. Hey, good to have you back. How was Azerbaijan? Oh, you know, just learning the kung fus and stuff. <laughs> All right, good to have you back. Good to have you back. Uh, we are we are here in the middle of Ask Geek, and uh, I've got a doozy of a question here that I want to put to you. I'm sure. <laughs> okay, so this question comes from Charlie from the email, and he asked Cat, "What is the worst attempt you have seen at Western producers to try and imitate the anime style?" Oh, um, that's actually a really good question. I'm sure they're out there. Um, I tend to actually stay away from them because they are cheap knockoffs. Um, but I have been fooled before because when Avatar, The Last Airbender first came out, I was like, oh my God, what an anime ripoff. But then it was amazing. So I kind of was like, okay, maybe, maybe some of them are actually good, but I haven't actually, you know, like watched or read too many things that are trying to fully replicate the style or the 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 feeling of it um i'm sure i'm sure they're out there i wish i could think of something right off the top of my head um but i honestly can't i can tell you some ones that i do like um well, teen um, titans teen titans springs to mind yeah and the the new one which is to uh, teen titans go which everybody seems to hate the one that looks like an american cartoon <laughs> i haven't seen i haven't seen it so i don't know but i know the the first one Looked, uh, had took a lot of cues from anime. Yeah, I mean, I I think that one does kind of, and that maybe that's why I want to watch it so badly because it does kind of look like an anime. Um, there were quite a few American comics uh, that were floated around, uh, basically like American manga, um, and some of them were okay. But there was one that I liked called uh, Shutterbox that was actually pretty good. I don't think it's still in publication but if you ever like find a copy for resale or something that one's a nice little story there's there's so many good things and so many bad things that i haven't paid attention to so i'm afraid i don't have a very good answer there oh so you you, you've never been exposed to a little uh a little canadian cartoon called my life me no (laughs) um no no there was um what what, what was perfect hair forever (sighs) was that what it was called Oh yeah, the the one on Adult Swim. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that. That one. I I caught like part of an episode of for whatever reason. I was like, why, God, why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, it, it, it it's an acquired taste, and uh, it, it's certainly not one of mine. <laughs> okay, let's see here. Um, Okay, uh, here's a question here uh, from Sammy, and it is uh, for all of us. And he asks, do any of us have any convention plans this summer? <laughs> Go ahead, Skyblaze. <laughs> for, th- for, for those who don't have, who don't have, who would want to know the context of that, literally, as we record this, as, you know, we were, during a, a, a off, off, rec- off, off recording here, Skyblaze was a, a little myth that nobody had asked if she was going to Summer of Sonic, so... <laughs> but yes, turns out I am going to Summer of Sonic. Uh, it's been kickstarted this year, so uh, me and my other half have paid seventy pounds to go to Summer of Sonic, where they will be Crush Forty, Takeshi Iizuka, and Mike Pollock, the voice of Eggman, and allegedly some special mystery guests that they haven't announced yet. Okay. Kat, what about you? I know you've got convention plans. Um, yeah, I do. I'm going to Anime St. Louis. Um, let's see. Well, I'm working Anime St. Louis, actually, on the guest relations team, as per usual, um, next weekend. 
Um, so the 13th, 14th, and 15th, I'll be there. And then after that, I have no convention plans this year. Um, I actually, uh, for those who don't know, just started a new job. <laughs> and I have this huge vacation blackout all summer. So I actually can't do anything over the summer. It sucks so bad. But it's worth it for all the money I make at my new job. <laughs> Brian, what about you? Are you knocking over Comic-Con this year? Oh, no, not Comic-Con. Um, unfortunately, I can't really uh, travel too much. Uh, that's, and also, Comic in San Diego is very expensive. But I will be, most likely, if everything works out, I will be hitting up my local San Japan once again. Uh, working probably in their uh, tabletop gaming area, kind of keeping that orderly and demoing any sort of tabletop games that we have available. I do believe my buddy who's in charge of it, Tall Chris, shout out to Tall Chris, uh, I think he wants me to uh, help out because we have the Ghostbuster game, and I helped kickstart that. So he wants me to probably bring me in there since I'm kind of the, the know-it-all with that, and I might be able to demo that for some people. Um, they also uh, will probably be demoing uh, several other games that we have available, maybe running a couple of tournaments. Um, I don't think I'll be running any of the tournaments because those, I think they're getting actual people to run, like actual Magic and Yu-Gi-Oh people to actually do that, uh, who know the rules and play the game and have money. So they screw the rules. <laughs> okay, and uh, he's also got a second question again for all of us. What is the most difficult cosplay you have ever done? Hmm. I don't do a lot oh, of cosplay. Wow. Uh, well, I'm working on a fairly complex one at the moment, um, trying to turn an overall into a racing suit. Doesn't sound like it should be hard. It bloody is. Um, especially since I have to do all the like the advertising patches and everything, which is a colossal pain. But the the most difficult one I've done would probably be. Uh, I don't know if it'd be hexadecimal or no, it wouldn't be hexadecimal. I would have assumed hexadecimal. Hexadecimal is fairly complicated, but um, actually no, uh, Sir Percival from Sonic and the Black Knight, the Blaze Sir Percival one, because I had to do all the armor and that was a colossal bitch. You're going to have to share pictures with, uh, of some of your cosplays with us at some point. If I can find the pictures, I'll share them. <laughs> I'm just really lazy about posting things. <laughs> okay. Alright, Kat, what about you? What's the hardest cosplay you've ever done? Um, it's kind of difficult to say because I've honestly blocked out the difficulty in my mind. Um, I, I like to look at my old cosplays through these rose-colored lenses um, because, honestly, um, my friends and family helped me make the costumes, um, but I tended to be more prop-centric. Um, so probably the hardest one that I had to do was uh, Kamatari from Roroni Kenshin, um, simply because um, he carries around this giant scythe with a ball and chain at the end. And I actually had to make the whole thing and like sand down all this wood and chains and all this other stuff, which was pretty hard, especially when I was like 15 and didn't know anything. Um, but then I also did... Uh, a character who was only in the manga of Gravitation, and her name was Rage, and she really loved her bazooka. So I also had somebody help me make a bazooka, which was quite difficult. A working mm. bazooka? No, not a working bazooka. <laughs> <laughs> it was really just a really huge piece of PVC with some other PVC, and then it was all like painted and stuff, and they were like, you need to check that a weapons check, and I'm like, it's a piece of pvc with some other pvc on it it's a pipe like i'm like you can literally look through the whole thing and they're like yeah you still need to get it checked i'm like okay <laughs> we, we want to make sure it's not a real bazooka have you seen a real bazooka <laughs> have you picked, saying, have you tried it doesn't look like yeah. this <laughs> have you tried to pick up a real bazooka because i don't think you have i i think i think the most absurd uh cosplay i've ever seen that was told they had to go through weapons check was uh the one time I went to Catacon. And as I was walking in, there was this there was this uh, guy who uh, he was cosplaying. Can't remember the character's name, but he's the kid from Ed Ed and Eddie who carries the wooden who carries around plank. And he oh was told God. that he had to check his plank prop into weapons check. And he's like, "It's a <laughs> two by four <laughs> with a face on it. This isn't a weapon. This is building material." <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> okay. 
Next question comes from the, again from the email, and it's from Adrian, and it is for Brian. And uh, she asked, what are your thoughts on the rumors of Suicide Squad getting re- re- script rewrites in the wake of Batman v Superman? I don't know. Uh, I've heard this rumor, and here's the thing. Like, I don't trust these rumor sites, especially since uh, someone listed out all the Batman v Superman rumors on one site, and there was about like 40 or 50 different rumors that turned out to not be true. But it's what it sounds like, it just sounds like retooling and reshooting. It's something that actually happens on almost most films nowadays, so I don't know if you should take anything for granted or anything like that. Because the moment that happened, like, they're retooling it, for, I think, for more humor. And then, like, a trailer came out that still had humor in it. So unless they're really fucking good at reshooting and editing and everything like that in the span of weeks, something tells me this is just reshoots for, I guess, plot purposes and making sure things are filled properly. Okay. Again, I don't really know, and I don't really care. And she's got another question here. What do you think of the rumors of the rumored falling out between Zack Snyder and uh, the DC higher-ups? Ah, uh, that's a new one for me, because I haven't heard that. Truth be told, please I've excuse, also been very busy. Please excuse me, I just need to go and do a happy dance. <laughs> rumors! Rumors! Emphasis on Damn. rumors! Yeah, so I, that's, like I said, that's a new one for me, and I'm just going to go back that 40 to 50 page rumor spread that I saw, so... You you can you can tell me all this stuff you know but until it happens I I don't know what I believe. <laughs> okay, all right, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, well, let's see. Uh, that seems to be all the ask geek questions that we have for this week. There's, there's none for me. I feel all kind of left out. All by yourself. Ah, <laughs> uh, nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. Guess I'll just go eat worms. Ah. <laughs> uh, you ever you ever read the the, the the book How to Eat Fried Worms? Yes, no. I I did long long time ago. And got, now you've made me feel old. I got so much shit in elementary school because apparently the the lead character in that book is named Billy. So all throughout elementary school, kids are coming and those. Hey, how are those worms taste? I'm like, fuck off. And then I go into the, gets into the principal's office for saying the f word in school. <laughs> well, you you should have said they were delicious. <laughs> I had fucking a... delicious. You still go to the principal's office. <laughs> I had a very rough childhood. <laughs> Lots of repressed memories. But that's all the Ask Geek questions that we have for this week. Thank you, as always, for sending them in. As always, you can send them to us through the email at drgonzo at nerdofthethirdpower.com. Or if you're one of our Facebook faithful, you can post them to our permanent Ask a Geek thread on the Facebook page, which is actually kind of running a little low. We've kind of uh, gone through most of the questions on our Facebook. So, uh, yeah, show us some love and send us some questions. So, uh, yeah, that's all the questions that we have for this week. Thank you, as always, for uh, sending them in. And uh, go ahead and get your questions in. Maybe you'll get them right on the air. All right. This is the part of the show where we talk about our discussion for the week. And today we're going to be talking about Ratchet and Clank, a new movie based on a video game based on what, Gonzo? You tell me, because I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, uh, the Ratchet and Clank uh, was, a, a it, it, well, it still is, a very successful uh, video game series. It started out... Uh, in the early 2000s on the PlayStation 2, and has been running strong ever since. And uh, now we have the uh, the film, which just came out this last uh, Friday, and uh, takes a lot of its cues from the first game, but we'll get more into that when we start talking about the plot. Uh, so, um, yeah, we when the trailer came out, we were all kind of excited because it actually looked like we were going to get a genuinely good video game movie for once. <gasps> no! But that is sadly not what happened. So, tell us what the plot ended up being, and what what was it compared to the first game? Okay, well, the game, uh, well, I guess, I guess just to give my general thoughts on the film first, I, I wasn't all, I, I went to the film with some, you know, I don't want to exactly say high hopes, but I was, you know, somewhat hopeful that it was going to be at least decent, and I came away with it very disappointed, because although it definitely showed a lot of respect to its source material, it didn't seem to have a whole lot of faith in it, uh, which is something that we'll get to um, in a bit, because there's several reasons for that. Um, but this movie in general, you know, it's it. I will say it's the best video game movie that we've had ever, uh, but that's not a very high bar to clear, considering to get <laughs> lower than the bar that's been set by some video game movies would require a team of Sheffield miners and millions of dollars of heavy equipment. 
Wait, does Wreck-It Ralph count as a video game movie? Yeah, for the purpose of discussion, no. It has to be actually based on a video game. But it was based on a video game. I mean, I've seen the video game. I'm true, it's only in the in the Disney offices, but it's there. And there's only <laughs> okay. like three cabinets. <laughs> That's an argument for another episode. Damn it. Always the other episodes. <laughs> damn, damn, damn. So, um, Brian, your general thoughts. Well, I didn't know a lot about Ratchet. I knew Ratchet and Clank was a video game, so but I didn't really play a lot of them. Uh, so I didn't have like a knowledge when I walked into it. Uh, it, you know, it, I was a little bit disappointed as well. I mean, it, the trailers made it look kind of neat and good, and you and, and we all want to have like a good video game movie eventually. But it just the movie had like twelve acts. And by the 12th act, I was like, what the hell is going on? You know, it just seems to be everywhere at this point. If you're not familiar with the games, the humor kind of goes over your head. You don't understand exactly what's going on. I did ask a friend of mine, I was like, are the games kind of like that? Like, well, yeah. I was like, all right, that makes a little bit more sense. But there's... funnier. There's this, well, humor is subjective. I'm going to put that out there right now. Because I did get a couple good chuckles. But, um... It just was overall, like, it had a good, they had a good idea, and I think they probably had some really good characters, but for whatever reason, mostly probably because of, uh, we'll talk about when the characters come out, there's definitely some shoehorn things going on in here. It dragged the whole production down, and I was really upset by the treatment of the voice actors, uh, in terms of credit-wise, which I can get into a little bit later, or now, depending on what you guys, what you want. Uh, Just tell us... First about the uh, the plot and the script before we get too much into the actors. All right. Okay. So the the plot is pretty much a, is is pretty much a beat for beat uh, telling of the story of the first video game. Um, basically, uh, there's a race called the Blarg. Who it's not explained in the film, but in the games they have basically destroyed their own homeworld. So they're looking to build a new one. So they're going around tearing different planets apart and taking like the little bits and pieces of the plants that like it's like oh this one has lovely waterfalls this one has good fjords you know and trying to <laughs> to stitch together a brand new home planet and uh the villain of the of this uh of this the film in the first game is chairman Drek, who appeared in the first game and then never showed up again uh although they also brought in dr nefarious who uh is a recurring villain from the video games but he didn't show up until the second game uh it's worth pointing out that uh the first game has actually been remade or reimagined, as uh, Insomniac is uh, saying, uh, for the the film. So, uh, depending on whether you're playing the original version, the 2016 uh, remake, you might get you, you know the remake is more in line with what shows up in the film. So anyway, Ratchet is a Lombax who is uh, working in in the original game. He was just stranded, but in the movie, he's working in a garage on this far off desert planet. And uh, he's just he, he dreams of being a galactic ranger who are sort of the, the superhero slash law enforcement agency of the galaxy. Um, Drek, meanwhile, is going around destroying planets, and he's, he's, he's building this robot army, but one of the robots comes out defective, and uh, here we're introduced to Clank, who uh, has a, an attack of conscience and decides that, you know, this, this can't happen. So he goes off to try and warn the galaxy rangers of Drek's plan, and winds up crash landing on Ratchet's planet. The two of them join up and go join together and go off to find uh, the Galactic Rangers and their leader Captain Quark to uh, warn them of the impending attack slash join up and enlist. And uh, Ratchet sort of fall Ratchet falls into uh, by accident into being the big hero of this major battle and uh, is kind of Quark is kind of forced to induct Ratchet into the Galactic Rangers. When he's kind of like, oh, you know, you're, 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 it's kind of, it's almost a jocks versus nerds argument between the two. It's like, oh, you know, you're a puny, you're a small thing. We need, you know, we need heroes, people with the stuff of legends. You know, look at me. I'm big. I'm strong. I have muscles. And you're just a little skinny little cat thing. No, I'm a Lombax. Okay, you're a skinny little Lombax. And, uh, Drek decides that he is going to remove the problem of the Galactic Rangers by having, by convincing Captain Quark to turn traitor. Uh, in exchange for lucrative book deals and his face on cereal boxes and whatnot. And um, stuff happens. Eventually, the film, eventually, Ratchet 
it winds up destroying the deplanetizer that Drek is using to tear apart planets, and, uh, you know, the universe is saved. If the plot sounds a little inconsequential, it's because the way it's presented in the film, it's very disjointed and kind of likes to jump between beats, so we don't quite see where everything uh, comes together at points. Yeah, I'm not under... I'm not sure I understood most of what you just said, so... (laughs) They try to Death Star planets and rebuild things. You have shoot first, ask questions later, heroes, and then you have Ratchet and Clank. That's sort of what you're kind of going with here. Like, a dumbed-down version of... Seriously, this is actually... It sounds disjointed, because it also sounds like a video game. Like, that's why I said this film had 12 acts. Because I felt like every act was like a level. Like, here's this level. You're like, all right. And like, all right, this level's done. That was the boss battle. Now we're going to go to this level. You're like, okay. Um, do we know why we're going to this level? Not really. Okay, movie. Yep. Con- continue. Um. <laughs> so the the thing that really um, disappointed me about the script um, was actually something that I di- is, is that I discovered. Part of it was something I discovered after the fact. The thing that really disappointed me about the script is. The thing that really made the Ratchet and Clank series so notable, aside from, you know, of course, the, the great gameplay, was the script writing and the humor and the character development throughout the series. Uh, and, you know, the, the games have always been hilarious. You know, I, I can replay these games and still, you know, bust a gut laughing at them. But this movie just wasn't very funny. I mean, I'll be fair. There were some chuckle-worthy moments, but they weren't really moments related to the characters. They were related to things that kind of just happened in the background. Like, you know, there's a scene where uh, one of the, 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 the soldiers defending the planet gets knocked off uh, into a bottom splint and you hear the Wilhelm scream. And one of his friends is like, Wilhelm, no! Oh, God, that's actually hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> And then you'll see, like, you know, how in sci-fi films there's a stereotypical, you know, subtitle that shows you where you're at and what's going on. So it's like, you know, you know, oh, hey, here, here's this planet. You know, this, this, is, this is about to happen here. Or, you know, a snarky computer system who's, like, you know, counting down a, a, a self-destructing ranch. is like, can't you, can't you say this in a, you know, can't you say this in a little less scary way? And the computer's like, okay, fine, how about this? Self-destruct in three, two, you might want to run, one. You know, but nothing really coming from the characters themselves. I, I don't. Well, there, there. I think. I mean, yeah, true. But I did like one of the running gags of it was when um, Chairman Drek and like one of his cronies. Every time he said like activate the deplanetizer, the guy like would scream like really loud into the microphone, and then they would be sort of cringing at it. But like the last time they did it, Drek just kind of goes, "So, Steve, uh, is everything okay at home?" He's like, "Yeah, everything's fine." Like he's just still yelling at that. I don't know, like, like I was like, this is this could be really annoying, but then like the last one, I was like, all right, that's kind of funny. <laughs> and and one moment that I really like, there's a running gag throughout the film of every time Drek has his back turned, his cronies are texting on their cell phones. So uh, his chief crony dies, and he holds a little funeral, and he he he's got his back turned, all the cronies intense, and they're all texting like, so you know we have this ceremony to honor your death, and he hits this button, and the airlock opens, and all the texting cronies get flung out into space. And Drex like, okay, that's done. Wow. Yeah. So. yeah there was, there's like, dark. there's two really dark moments in the film. That was one of them. <laughs> so you know, so it has its moments, but it's just overall the the humor just doesn't really seem to be there. And what really disappoints me is one of the scriptwriters for the film was T.J. Fixman, who uh, wrote the script for Ratchet and Clank: A Crack in Time, which is in my mind the funniest game in the whole series. So I'm kind of seeing his name in the credits. I'm like, oh, TJ, what happened? Well, it, it kind of goes to my feelings and stuff is that there is a, I think, th- this film took a while to get made. Like, they originally, I, I originally heard that they wanted to get this done, like, somewhere around, like, 2006 or something. We're now looking 10 years later. When you go through 10 years of development hell, you don't really get a good product after that. So he might have had some insight into the script but I guarantee you, he had other people. There were other people were involved in that. The company credit thing went on for like five minutes because they had like four, like three or four companies I've never even heard of help finance and make this film. Yeah, the the van. You're talking about the vanity plates at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. That was that was the part where I started getting worried because like, okay, aside from Gramercy Pictures, I re- I recognize none of these studios. Oh, a, a brand new PlayStation Originals logo. Okay. Mm, buckle up, kids. <laughs> We're going for a ride. 
So all of that aside, what did you guys think about the, uh, since Brian had mentioned the cast, was it a good portrayal of the characters by the cast? And what did you think of them? Well, let's, let's, let's get the nice things out of the way first. One of the things that I was really excited about with this film was that uh, for the characters that are actually from the game, so Ratchet, Clank, Quark, and Dr. Nefarious, they brought back all of the voice actors from the original games. The only character who's not voiced by his original video game voice actor is Chairman Drek, uh, who was voiced in the game by Kevin Michael Richardson, but in the movie he's voiced by Paul Giamatti, who does sort of a passable job. Uh, and, you know, they're... they're their performances in the film, for what they have to work with, are just as good in the film as they are in the game. So, you know, you had James Arnold Taylor as Ratchet, David Kay as Clank. They were both excellent. Armin Shimmerman's Doctor Nefarious. He, you know, he was Doctor Nefarious. They, they were their characters. You know, these are these are characters that they've been playing for over ten years. So they 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 know the characters. They know what to do with them. Um, the sticking point comes when we start talking about the immigrants. The, 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 the people who aren't from the original game. There has to be a way I, better way of saying that. Yeah, <laughs> I was about to make a comment about that comment. That was a little woe. The immigrants. Okay, tell us about the characters not from the game. Okay, so in the original games, there were no Galactic Rangers. Captain Quark was just a generic superhero on his own. In the film, they put him in charge as the leader of this sort of uh, military-slash-special-forces force called the Galactic Rangers, uh, which has... Let me look at the... It was, it was, it was, it was four members, and then, yeah. ra- and then they were going to get a fifth one. Which wound up being Ratchet. So the movie gives us uh, John Goodman as Grimm, Bella Thorne as Cora and Rosario Dawson as Alaris. Well, hold on, and you're you're getting things confused here. John Goodman was yeah, he was Grimroth, but he wasn't on the Galactic Rangers. Oh, he was okay. he was the mechanic slash father figure to Ratchet. Okay, I've got I've got yeah okay. Vincent Tong is Brax. Never mind. I'm sorry. I've got my looking at the how to get those two confused. But yeah, John because, Goodman's because John too. Goodman's been in a lot of shit lately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you got Vincent Tong as Brax, who's this sort of uh, you know this. You know, why are we here talking? Can't we just go shoot things kind of guy? Um, and then, yeah, Bella Thorne is Cora, who's, uh, she's kind of the same thing. You know, let's go out and shoot people. Then you've got Rosario Dawson's Alaris, who's the quote-unquote science officer, uh, which translates in this movie as the nerd, uh, because that's pretty much how they treat her. Like I said, there's very much a jocks versus nerds vibe uh, throughout all the the Galactic Rangers. And they're really the chief problem that I have with this movie because it's there's so much so much of the focus of the movie is on them. Um, the best way that I can really describe how much they kind of hijack the story is it feels less like a Ratchet and Clank movie and more like the Adventures of Alaris and the Galaxy Ra- and the Galactic Rangers with special guests Ratchet and Clank. Hmm. The, the 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 biggest issue. I mean, I agree with that. And the biggest issue I have with it, and you see it in the film itself, but at the very end during the end credits. When you do end credits, usually the stars of the films, usually the first people you see, especially in animated films, whoever's the star is, they go starring such and such, and then you move down to the supporting characters. In the end of this film, when the only time I actually got really mad at it was they started to list off the characters, starting with these minor characters because they were the celebrity voices. And then once you get through that, they go, oh, with James Arnold Taylor as Ratchet, with David Kay as Clank, with Jim Ward. Like, these celebrities, these minor characters, got pushed above the main characters. The only minor, minor character celebrity voice that was actually at the bottom was Sylvester Stallone as Victor Von Iron as the... Uh, the one of the main like uh, minion guys, which I'm gonna give credits to Sylvester that he's a huge name. Like they could have easily put his name at top, but they didn't. They held him back, and he held him back where he was because he wasn't in. He was only in the movie for 40 minutes, and then quote unquote died. Yeah, and and the, the, the you know this is something we want that I didn't really touch on when we were talking about the script. The focus on these characters is so great that. There's barely any interaction between the title characters. Ratchet and Clank are introduced, then they hardly talk to each other 
uh, throughout the movie because they're separated throughout most of it until they finally come together to, to, to save the day at the end of the film. Then the big draw of the game, of the games, as far as the characters goes, was you know there's a, a, a partnership and a friendship between these two characters. That's what part of what makes them so you know lovable and so compelling is you know they're they're these two characters who have been together for so long and they'll you know do anything they lay their lives down for each other. They're great friends. The the, the the friendship that's built between Ratchet and Clank is one of the chief elements of the story of the games, and we got to see none of that in this movie. You know, there, there, there was the whole... You know how in every action film there's a scene where the hero fucks up and he goes off to his hidey hole to kind of go and blame himself? And mm-hmm. then, you know, the other character comes up and goes, oh, well, you know, it's, it's time for you to take a level in badass. You know, Clank comes along and, try, and does the whole, you know, okay, it's time to suit up routine, you know, to get Ratchet out of his funk. And it's supposed to feel like these two, this, you know, one friend supporting and comforting another and trying to inspire them to be who they're supposed to be. But you don't really feel it like that because you hardly get to see these two characters interact. Because most of the film is is Ratchet going off with the Galaxy Rangers and Clank, you know, being a nerd with Alaris. You know. And the the two main characters, Ratchet and Clank, it felt to me like they had very little agency in this film. Like they were just kind of being strung along. Like I said, this movie felt very much like the adventures of Alaris and the Galaxy Rangers with special guests Ratchet and Clank. Because it's Alaris' plan that saves the day. It's, you know, the the Galactic Rangers who do the lion's share of the fighting while Ratchet just kind of bumbles around. You know, there's almost no focus on the two characters whose names are in the fucking title. Why, why do you think that ended up happening? Was it them trying to uh, broaden the cast of characters to appeal to more people? Or are they just looking for tropes to kind of fill some sort of need i i you know i i think brian hit the nail on the head you 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 need to look no further than the end credit sequence to see where the where the priority was as far as the script they were trying to give these celebrity actors more screen time and more space because they were the names that people would recognize you know and that angers me so much because first off james arnold taylor and david k all the voice actors from the games are incredible they all do great jobs Oh, they're all amazing as these characters. Second off, the building the, there there are so many building blocks for a great movie within the Ratchet and Clank universe. Not just in terms of the story, but in terms of what characters you have, what settings you have. You know, I was talking with a friend about about this, and he said, "Well, you know, maybe the whole reason they put so much focus on Alaris and Cora was because they wanted to have some some good female characters." I'm like that argument doesn't hold any water because there's a, a, a there are several great female characters from the games they could have used. Why not use any of them? Why create whole new ones out of nowhere? You know, there 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 is the there is fingerprints of just I would say um, uh, of just studio or other people involvement in this film where perhaps at one given time when it first started they had a pretty solid story and pretty solid characters but for whatever reason because it's Hollywood or whatever it is we need more of this this is what people really want this is you know our marketing says this well the marketing might be wrong it's it's just the idea of of someone too many use an old cliche there's too many cooks in the kitchen and the dish that then came out was not very good, um, and that's the, you and you can tell just like I said by the by the opening credits or the opening like uh, all the different companies involved, all of the uh, different script writers probably involved and editors. Um, I didn't even re- I didn't recognize the director's name at all, so this could have been like his first time for all we know. Just too, there's too many things going off on around. Maybe you know you said it before; they didn't seem like they had confidence in the characters and the story so they had to add some people to it then you probably had marketing people saying no one's going to see this film if you don't have at least one or two celebrity names to it so let's call in some people that they may like um hey let's call Sylvester Stallone that's that's the casting that really just it doesn't bug me because I like Sylvester Stallone but just out of 
fucking nowhere. You know, and and then another argument that I heard was, you know, I, I was like, well, okay, well, you know, going, you know, female characters with games, you know, you got Angela Cross, Sasha Fironis, why not use them? And I was like, oh, well, they weren't in the first game, they didn't, you know, Angela didn't show up until the second game. Well, that argument's bunk too, because then what the fuck is Nefarious doing here? Because he didn't show up until the second game either. Yeah, but Nefarious being, I guess, being a major villain though, it's like, well, we got to give him because apparently you told me he was a robot all the time in this film. He starts as an alien and then becomes a robot, so it's almost and- like a mini origin story for him and here's here's another thing that really angers me about that end credit sequence Armin Shimmerman as Nefarious he gets credited in that first set with all the celebrities and I guarantee you that's banking off the name recognition from Star Trek from his role as Quark as Deep Space Nine possibly so I mean that shows you know that shows you just how little faith this the that there and the, the thing is, is like you know in in some the the, the the insomniac had uh, was supposedly heavy involvement in the development of this film so like i kind of want to sit down with the insomniac uh heads and with james arnold taylor and david k and just ask you know so what do you guys think about being upstaged in your own fucking movie pretty sure they would be very diplomatic about it but then you can see behind their eyes their hatred yeah the burning burning hatred you know and you know, you know, cat, cat. You've you've railed before on the show about the treatment of uh, of, of voice actors of of anime and in game voice actors by Hollywood. And oh I, my god, I, that's why I'm trying not to say anything because we could be here all day. <laughs> no, no, no. Go ahead. Let if if you have something to contribute, by all means, you'll probably say it more eloquently than I can. Because right now, well, I'm just like I'm descended into blubbering. It's the same thing, uh, well, not exactly the same thing, but it's very similar to how Disney operates whenever they get a Studio Ghibli film. Um, They basically don't even look at uh, professional voice actors, people who do this for their living. Um, They just default to, okay, well, we're just going to look at who's on the celebrity A-list this year and pick whoever's really popular who we think can also voice act. And, And they're good. Don't get me wrong, but they're also coached by the actual cartoon voice actors on how to do this. Um, And I don't know, like sometimes their castings just feel wrong or inappropriate. Like they pick an actor who's really popular who might have an accent to play the parent of somebody who doesn't have that accent. And you sort of scratch your head and wonder why they couldn't have gotten somebody who really knew what they were doing. Okay, why, why, why does Craig Ferguson have a son from New York? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and you know what? That, one, that one's an American cartoon, so they get to do whatever they want. But when you're dubbing over <laughs> Japanese stuff, like, it's a very different technique for when you're voice acting for an American-made cartoon or uh, animated film versus an anime because you have to match these lip flaps. You, they're not doing mocap on your face to move the character's mouth in time with your voice like we do in America. It's the opposite. And that takes a lot of technique. It takes um, creativity. You're rewriting these lines in your head. Um, and instead of getting somebody who does that for a living, they just immediately default to somebody popular. Particularly because so many of the characters in Ghibli films are young, they actually pick from the who's who of um, people on Disney television shows. So these are people who are not exceptionally well-trained yet because they're young. And then on top of that, you've if you've ever seen a show on the Disney Channel, a live-action show, you know that it is cheesy and overacted as hell. I'm starting to see what you mean about you, about us being here all day. <laughs> <laughs> so then you bring that to your cartoon, and what you get is cheesy and overacted as hell. And, you know, it, it, it's just one of, like, I'm glad you didn't see this movie, because you'd have been so pissed off, because the thing is, like, he, these voice act like the thing that made me really excited about this this film was the fact that they brought back the voice actors from the games. I was like, yes, we're finally going to see a video game movie taken seriously and get some actual effort. And then I I, I owe an apology to Brian because when the, the trailer first broke, he was like, uh, okay, we should be kind of worried about these celebrity voice actor names. I was like, oh, you, oh, ye of the bushy beard, you know not of what you speak. This movie will be a grand romp, a grand adventure, and a shining ray of heaven that will cure at least one form of cancer and unite us all as one united people to sing Kumbaya across the earth. 
So, and uh, look what happens. This is what you, happens when you don't <laughs> listen to me. I know I'm wrong a lot, but when I'm right, goddammit, I'm right. <laughs> and also, um, you would, you would have, uh, Kat, speaking of lip flaps, you would probably have been pulling your hair out because the lip flaps and the animation oh of this God. movie drove me insane. Well, that's a lovely segue into the presentation. Um, so the lip flaps were off. Okay, what what else can you tell me about the animation of the film? Well, here, here's no, no, I no, do- Gonzo. I'm going to interrupt you because I I've been kind of sitting on this one for a while. I'm because <laughs> there was one moment where this reminded me of another poorly animated CGI film that came out a while ago called Astro Boy. Now, oh boy. if you all haven't seen this, good for you. But in this film, they took great care in Astro Boy, and they took great care to make Astro Boy and any character from Astro Boy look like the characters, which is fine. I like that. Except for the fact that everyone else in the goddamn film looks like they're from another fucking movie. That happened here. Ratchet and Clank look great. Quark looks perfect. But then you put them up against these minor characters, they're shoehorning in, they don't look like they're from the same game series, let alone the same movie or country. They even redesigned Nefarious, which I'll never understand because his, his his design in the games suited him so perfectly. Now in this, like in the games, he's a robot. He's an insane robot. In the movie, they made him into this like Area Fifty One alien looking thing. Now he there's there's a stinger just before the credits roll where we see him get transformed into a robot, which is supposed to be a sequel hook. Which good fucking luck there, guys. Like it's cute that you're hopeful, but I really don't, you know. Cast your aspirations a little lower, I feel. Um, but it's like, you know, it's like, like Brian said, yeah, the, the, the character designs, Ratchet, Clank, and Drek, they all look exactly like they did in the games. Um, but all these extra characters, they look like they're from some completely different property. Now, I will say, other than that, visually, this movie is beautiful. The, the location and set designs, they're all amazing. Aliro City was breathtaking. Um, I was really glad to see that because that's always been one of my favorite settings from the games, um, you know. But then again, given the given the the graphical capabilities of of PlayStation Three and PlayStation of the PlayStation Three and now PlayStation Four Ratchet and Clank games, I guess that's not really much of a surprise, um, you know. Visually, the game is stunning. Uh, the game, yeah. Let's. This is how. This is this is this is this is how irritated I am with the whole thing. I'm starting to confuse the two properties. Visually, the movie is stunning. Musically, like I know that you, you you give me shit for being the only person to notice the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. The only thing I really noticed about the soundtrack in this film was how unnoticeable it is. Like there was almost no music to this film, and as a result, the film felt very empty uh, to me, especially in the action sequences. I don't know, Brian. Did you notice that as well? There was no. The, the thing was, they had music, but it was very generic. It- you know, trumpeting suit like great things like like the action sequences were I think well put together for what they were when the, you had some of them. But yeah, the music is just forgettable because it was just generic. This is actiony type of music we need here. Like there was again no, I don't know if it was maybe a lack of budget. I want I want to say no real thought. There was thought in this film. Unfortunately, there was just too many thoughts and too many people. So someone for maybe forgot about the music and said, "Crap, what's you know available for cheap." <laughs> Which, again, is something that kind of... It's like, all right, you brought in the voice actors, you brought in the script writers, can you maybe bring in the the, 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 the composer from the games? Because the, the games had a superb music as well. You know, I was going to ask if, the, if the, uh, the game music was noticeable, because I feel like that's one of the um, easiest things to associate from a game to a movie is the, the music. Like, you know, it's, music in a video game is really important. It sets tones, it, it's very distinct, easily recognizable, um, and it would have made such a deep connection for the viewer if you just had that music in there. Like, the the music from the games, I mean, there was nothing like, you know, nothing as iconic like, you know, the Star Wars, the Halo theme that you'd instantly hear and go, oh, that's that's Halo, you know. It was more uh, akin to, like, you'd see in the old Looney Tunes cartoons where the music would go along with the action, so, like, you know you'd hear, like, you know, plucks of a violin string as a character was walking or that kind of thing, you know. And But in this movie, it's like Brian said, there was just generic, you know, generic trumpets and, and music cues and, the, and very low-key. And like I said, it just made the movie feel very empty. So, you know, I mean, it just... 
Visually stunning uh, in the audio department and some of the technical aspects, significantly less so. And again, that's just going back to whatever behind-the-scenes sort of, you know, uh, shot this uh, movie in the knee with an arrow. So. Did it ever stand a chance, do you think? No. Well, I guess I guess that takes us to our final thoughts then. So, Brian, why don't you go first? It's It's not... Okay, so video game movies have a really uphill battle. Not just because there's been several bad ones, and even some of the ones I do enjoy. Because I'll look, I'm gonna put my put my uh, heart out here. John Claude Van Damme Street Fighter. I will watch that unironically because a I love John Claude Van Damme, and b it's just the so bad it's good. But the problem with having a video game movie is always gonna come back to the same thing: a video game is not necessarily a movie. With a video game, you have the interaction. You have you are sort of in uh, control. You kind of con- uh, move forward with things. You have the idea to explore and all this other stuff. When you remove the interactivity and you say, all right, sit down and watch these, uh, you know, basically this cut screen of a, you know, you're sitting there going, well, these are nice, but I sort of miss playing the game. And that is something that I think, Subconsciously, we are, we are going to take a long time to get over. We're going to have to be blown away by something for us to finally sort of break that connect of wanting to have an interactivity with a game slash movie. I am going to take my final thoughts to vehemently disagree with Brian that it's that a video game movie is is not something that can be that can really be done. Uh, nowadays, because if you let's wind the clock back 16 years, okay, since the turn of the century, we have seen a number of highly successful films based on properties that were previously considered unfilmable. I mean, look, you know, comic books. Look at look at what's happened. What's happened with the Marvel films over the last 16 years? And you know, we'll be nice to DC and throw in the Dark Knight trilogy. You know, fantasy novels, Lord of the Rings. J.R.R. Tolkien himself thought the book was unfilmable, and we got a, th- a three-film epic masterpiece out of it. First fantasy film to win Best Picture at the Oscars. Okay? Young adult novels, you know, Hunger Games, Maze Runner. God help me for saying this unironically, but hey, Twilight, $150 million. Somebody's got to like it. You know, we've seen all these films... Based on things, toys, the fucking Lego Movie. Who saw that oh my coming? God, calm down, calm down. <laughs> Deep breaths. A movie about interlocking bricks. Who saw that coming? And now we've got the Lego Batman movie coming out. You know, these are films based on properties that were previously considered unfilmable that nobody thought it would ever see a good film. But people came along and they had faith in the strength of the source material and they put the effort and care into making the film as good as it was and able to stand on its own merits. And now we have all of these wonderful films and wonderful franchises. You know, the Harry Potter films, you know, those films don't just happen by accident. They happen because you have faith in the source material. Now, Ratchet & Clank, you have a franchise that has all the building blocks for a really great story and a really great film. If someone just would just come along and have the faith to say, okay, we're going to take these building blocks, we're going to give it 110% and make a fine film and not just something that's going to be a cheap cash-in. And instead, what we got was essentially an hour and 20-minute commercial for a video game that we bought 14 years ago. And that really distresses me that... You know, I mean, that so many other things that were, would 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 have been laughed out of the gate if you tried to make a movie out of it are now getting a pass, but video games are still getting shit on. I mean, I know there's a lot of controversy with the Ghost in the Shell film, but I mean, you know, the fact that it's happening, period, says that it, they're they're willing to give it an honest, if somewhat misguided, effort. You know, so what is it about video game movies as a concept that are it, it, that we just can't do this? You were, everything you just said, all the stuff that you just listed out, though, all those narrative ideas, all of the books, comic books, even toys to an example are narrative. I'll, toys is a little bit strange, because I'll, I'll admit, I didn't see the Lego movie coming. But video games are made to be interactive. 
Like, that's the biggest thing. You have it in your hands. You are in control. There is then, if you remove the control and you're just sitting and watching, you don't get it as much, you know? Like, when you're saying all this stuff was unfilmable, that's because they were, didn't have the technology or the time or the effort or the money or the scale, whatever you have it, but they all came from a narrative idea. And I'm saying, with Ratchet and Clank, the narrative idea was there. The narrative idea didn't might... didn't have any faith in it. But the narrative idea is that, but you didn't have to go back to going... Because when video games are designed, yeah, they have a story, but they also have to interject, all right, how do we get from point A to point B? How do we get the player from point A to point B to get to that next section? When you, ha- when you remove that area, it makes things, I think, a little bit more difficult than you think they are. Because now you have, to, you have to get back into an area of, all right, we got to remove playability, but still create a narrative there. I think I think we just found another discussion topic for later in the season. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Gonzo okay. versus Brian? Yeah. Well, anyway, I will, I'll, I'll, I'll wrap up my final thoughts with this, and that's just the level of disappointment that I have in this film, because the trailer, Ratchet and Clank, you were supposed to be different. You were supposed to, you came out with your trailer, you said, I'm going to be a film that is going to, lead the charge on game films taken seriously. I'm going to pay respect to the source material. I'm going to have faith in it, and I'm going to give my 110%, and that's not what happened. You end up being a cheap cash-in. You tried to woo me with promises of fast cars, trips to Paris, and a diamond that would choke a mandrill. But instead, what you gave me was a trip in a beat-up Chevelle to Detroit to buy a cubic zirconium that wouldn't even give a goldfish a serious cough. You know, like you were the chosen one. You were supposed to bring balance. That's what I was thinking like, the whole time. Not much, destroy it. Much, much, much as the hot chick at the bar turns her nose up at the man with no confidence in himself, so too do I look with disdain upon a film that has no faith in the strength of its source material. And this movie was just thoroughly, thoroughly disappointing. And I, there, there at the same time this movie was announced, they also announced a Sly Cooper movie, and I'm now really worried about how that's going to turn out. Trust me, they, well, think they might not make it because of this film. Despite the fact there was a Sly Cooper cameo in it. Ding! Um, so, that all being said, before Gonzo pops a vein, um, what would you give your final rating? And I'd like to list them, but I don't know them off the top of my head. I don't have that level of improv in me. I'm wondering if Gonzo is going to go my rating. Hmm? Uh, see it now. Um, here, wait I'll for type it. matinee. I'll type. Wait for uh, just let me do it, dude. <laughs> so so uh, see it now. Wait for matinee. Uh, wait for um, D- DVD. Wait for rental. Wait for DVD or Brian's special rating. Um, fuck this film. Well, there's also don't even bother. But a good try. Okay, it's cause I've I've been away for a while. <laughs> Katmandu, where did you say I was? You were everywhere. We we picked several countries. You're Nanda Parbat. You were on Mars at one point. <laughs> well, I was on Mars, so well played. All right, Brian, why don't you go first? Oh, really? Okay, yay me. Uh, this is obviously going to be a wait for TV. Don't don't you know? Don't spend money. If it's it's. Just you're just gonna disappoint yourself. You're gonna overhype it and disappoint yourself. I mean, look at Gonzo. Just look at the man he is now. I mean, he came in with all sorts of confidence, and now he's half cut up on a volcano and needing to get into a black robotic suit. That is three, or not? Yeah, two uh, episode three jokes in this uh, this show. I feel proud of myself. <laughs> well played, sir. <laughs> you know, I. I, I always try, whenever it comes to films that I, I don't like, with the exception of Pixels and uh, Battleship, I try and, I try and be generous. I try and, and think, well, you know, there's got to be someone out there that this would really appeal to. But even to hardcore Ratchet and Clank fans, like, I, I th- this movie feels like a straight-to-DVD film, but I cannot even justify a wait for DVD. It's very much, it just, wait for cable, or, you know, if you absolutely have to see it, pirate it. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> whoa, whoa, we don't advocate piracy on this show. Because <laughs> this, 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 this movie doesn't, it, it just, if you have to see it, don't see it in a way that you've got to pay money for it. Sucker someone else into paying money for it if you have to. But the, the, the absolute best that I can muster up for this film is wait for cable. Which I doubt it'll even go there. Since this was made by PlayStation, I guarantee you at probably one some point in time, it will be available on the PlayStation Network, probably for free. Ugh. 
That that's that's horrifyingly depressing. Very depressing. That's what I'm here for. Ding. So but anyway, that's about all the time that we have for Nerd of the Third Power this week. Thank you as always for tuning in. Next week we'll be watching what will hopefully be a much better film, Captain America Civil War, which uh, you know, we're we're we, you know, is yes. very likely going to be a much better film. So I, you know, 2016 just has not been a great year for movies for us so far. We've had we've had we've had this. We had uh we had Batman vs Superman, we had uh, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. You know, three very disappointing films. So it looks like it's up to Cap to to, to lead the charge into the the summer blockbuster season. I don't know. I so, enjoyed Utopia. So, so like I said, uh, we'll see you next week for Captain America: Civil War. Thank you as always for tuning in. As always, I'm Doctor Gonzo. I'm the Cat. I'm Brian. And we will see you next week. Taka, play us out. Bye.